What's up? It's Delaney, and I'd love to invite you to become an honorary co-host of the Self-Helpless Podcast. Do you want to pick episode topics and guests? Done. Want to surprise your loved ones with shout-outs on the show for a birthday, project launch, a much-needed divorce? Whatever you're up to, would love to be a part of the celebration. Get your favorite and least favorite quotes featured on the podcast, submit questions for our special guests, and find lots more new features and surprises at patreon.com slash selfhelpless. You'll also get added to our patron insider email list to easily redeem rewards via a quick email reply because we know hanging out on Patreon isn't everyone's thing. You can also opt out of emails if you prefer to be a silent supporter of the show. And don't worry, we do not Scrooge McDuck these contributions. 100% of proceeds go directly to operating expenses that make this weekly podcast possible and available to all. Learn more at patreon.com selfhelpless or simply click the link in this episode's description. Thank you for helping me fill the void of being the last standing host of the Self Helpless Podcast. Thank you so much. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Self-Helpless Podcast. I'm Delaney Fisher. And today I'm chatting with three of my amazing friends who are sharing their experiences with their pregnancies and childbirth and their transition into motherhood. And I am so grateful that they were able to carve out time. They had to jump through a lot of hoops to even be here today, you know, managing joint calendars and babysitters and juggling alone time and nap time and all of the things. Um, So I'm really happy that we were all able to get on one call uh, to even bring you this episode today. And before we get into more more details about what we all discussed. Um, I just wanted to share, if you enjoy tuning into podcasts, I have another podcast that is all about building an unconventional life and career. Uh, it's called Career Crush. You can find it at my website, delaneyfisher.com. It's a private show, but it's completely free. And we talk about you know starting and scaling businesses, launching passion projects, finding the right career path uh, that really brings you a lot of joy and just the fluidity of, um, you know, building an unconventional career as well. It's a mixture of interviews with people doing really cool shit all over the world. Um, I share a lot of how-to type of tutorials over there. So I'd love to have you if it's something that you are interested in. So again, you can find that at delaneyfisher.com. Okay. So today um, I'm sitting down with Michelle Shar and Sarah, and they are talking about things that they wish they would have known uh, before getting pregnant that may have, you know, helped them, uh, their favorite tips and tools that brought them a lot of joy um, or ease a lot of stress um, during this whole process. They share about some really challenging things that they faced and their favorite parts uh, of becoming a mom. And just, we covered so much ground in today's episode. So a little snapshot of where they are at. 
Um, they all have sons um, who range from four months to 13 months old. They are in their 30s. They have partners. Um, so we're all very aware that some things shared are not representative of you know, the experience of single parents or parents who may have adopted children or done you know, surrogacy, donor, in vitro path. They're really just sharing their personal experiences and their perspectives so far. And we're all hoping that this episode um, just helps you release any guilt you may be feeling around becoming a new parent, um, that it gives you comfort knowing that you're not alone in some of the more nerve wracking experiences that you may have faced. And of course, just celebrate how much of a fucking badass you are, that you are raising a human being. That is wild and you're awesome. So here's my conversation with my incredible, compassionate, gorgeous, talented, brilliant, and hilarious friends, Michelle, Shar, and Sarah. I am so excited to chat with all of you today, like as a group, I've learned so much from each of your just pregnancy stories and birthing stories and things that I just didn't know um, could be a thing with, with this process. And each of you have such unique experiences. Um, so I would just love to start with, did you always know that you wanted kids? Has that answer changed for you over time? Like, did it evolve? And if so, kind of what led to that decision? So Michelle, we could start with you. Okay. Well, in my twenties, I was an idiot. So <laughs> to anyone that had kids in their twenties, um, I think I started wanting kids when I hit 30. I'm like, I got all oh. my partying out and I'm like, you know, I don't want to stay up till 2 a.m. drinking and having fun. I want to, I want to, <laughs> I want to take care of someone. So, um, yeah, in my 30s, that's when it all started. And I knew Steve, my husband, uh, always wanted kids. And so it was just a long time coming, but 30 is when I knew I'm ready. Oh, okay. So before you hit 30, what, what was your, like, were you on the fence about the, the decision? Did you yeah. think like, oh, I'll have them at some point. How were you feeling before you hit that, that decision point? I was on the fence a lot when I was between like 25 and 27. Like, I don't know, it was just a weird time, you know, cause you're kind of getting close to your thirties, but I was just, I was just young minded, you know? Um, that's all I could really say. I just mentally was not prepared. And the thought of taking care of someone was terrifying. Yeah. You know, I just wasn't mentally ready. And a lot of people now are having kids at like 35, 37 that I know. And yeah, I think that's great. It makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> did We're all purring. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> now did having like a partner who really wanted kids uh, that that um, make you feel more comfortable, like, like going down that path? Like, what was that like if you were kind of on the fence, but knowing that your now husband really wanted to have kids? That really helped because yeah. I'm like, okay, if I have kids, this sucker ain't going to leave me because <laughs> 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 he wants them too. <laughs> so, um, that, that really did help because I knew it'd yeah. be a team effort. I'm not trying to like you know, give birth. And he's like, all right, okay, bye. <laughs> and yeah. I'm, I'm thankful that wasn't the case. Cause I know there are cases like that. So, yeah. um, it was, it's a team effort and we were both in agreement. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's what it is. So Shar, what about you? Did you always know that you wanted kids? What was that experience like for you? Uh, yeah, I've, I've always known that I wanted kids. Um, as you know, Delaney, I'm a teacher. So, um, yeah. I worked with kids K through 12, um, since I was 16. So, yeah. uh, I, I love kids and I've always wanted kids. And, uh, when my, when Dan and I got together, it was definitely a conversation, you know, you have to know that a pretty, pretty early on or else, you know, it's a deal breaker. Right. Um, if you do want kids. Um, so I've always known, but what was different for me is that um, as I approached like 30 years old, um, I didn't have that like, like it's weird because your biological clock is is ticking and you know that, um, but also like mentally I wasn't ready. And even though I knew I wanted to have kids, um, like down the line it was like when when it came down to like what age are we am I going to start like trying to have kids like I wasn't sure um and actually Dan kind of had to bring it up a little bit um for me to be on board so like he's actually the one who like approached me came up kind of with the timeline of um when we you know should start trying and and I wasn't like mentally like like fully on board yet but I knew like I don't know the there's never going to be the perfect time yeah. you know and the pandemic kind of changed things because it took away like two years of of being young you know and still going out and experiencing things as a couple and as an individual and so like my timeline and my head got pushed back because I was just like I've lost this time to be still youthful um but again, it was like, I'm, I'm glad that, that Dan had this timeline because I think I would have waited a little bit longer, um, but I'm glad we did it when we did because, I mean, there is that biological clock that you just can't deny. So. Yeah, that is so interesting that both you and Michelle, it was like your male partners kind of being like, okay, I'm actually ready now. What about you? Because I think we we kind of hear the the stereotype, you know, that like all women just want babies immediately and they're pressuring these dudes and all that. But I think that's so interesting that you both kind of have that story. Um, kind of a follow-up question for you, Shar. If you did not have a biological clock that you mentioned was definitely a big part of the decision. Let's say that we just didn't have that. Um, you know, how long, how much longer would you have waited? Do you think? I probably would have waited one to two more years. Okay. Okay. And, and I'm 34. So, um, and, and Dan's a few years older. So for him, it was a little more pressing. Like he was like, I don't want to be an old dad, you know? Um, but like Michelle said, people are having babies later now. And, um, it's great because like mentally, you're mentally more prepared, you know, and financially maybe more prepared. Um, but then, you know, you go to your doctor's appointments and there's the, um, you know, it's like, you could be less fertile or you could have a higher chance of, um, you know, miscarriage, you know, and that's very real. So, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And Sarah, what about you? Did you always know what was that like? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, 
Yes and no. I feel like, it, and then I think it's relating to the body. Like I just, I do think there's something with the hormones and like, I think at 21, I was like, I want to have a baby, but I just turned 21. <laughs> there's something about the body. It was like just really hormonal, but, um, but then it came in waves. Like, I think it was just go- what's going on with my life. Um, especially in my twenties, uh, I went to grad school. I, you know, I was like, I was in grad school. I was a student. I'm like, I'm not ready for to have a kid. Like I, just need to get through grad school. So I was thinking that and um and also thinking like you know I'm in the world of theater and like creative work and I'm like it's like can you be a parent in this life, you know, this lifestyle and it was like hard to imagine. So it came in waves until I met Nick, my partner, my husband and he he is few older, three years older than me as well. So um, he was like, I'm ready. I'm ready. And so <laughs> for me, I was I'm still trying to figure it out, but, but I think it was, it, I think that definitely came into play. Right. Cause it's, they are older and they're like, they're ready. They, like what Shar said, like, he was like, I don't want to be an old dad. So, um, but, uh, it was like having that communication of like, okay, uh, I'm not ready yet, but you're ready. Like, let's, kind of like see what's happened in the next few years or something um the pandemic definitely took out that two years like we were because our wedding was during 20 it was supposed to be 2019 no 2020 and then got pushed back to the following year so it, all our plan our family planning just got pushed so it was like we gotta get to this um because I definitely didn't want I mean I don't know this is why wow, I'm going to get a little going a little spazzy here but in retrospect it took a year. A lot of people say it would take a year to get pregnant. Yeah. So I was like, maybe I could have tried, but I didn't want to risk not fitting into my wedding dress. So <laughs> it was like, it was just like a lot of my own personal stupid stuff that I was going through. Um, but yeah, that's, but it came in ways of me wanting to have a baby and not, and meeting the right person and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, th- this is so interesting. Like you said, Michelle, there's a pattern here that all of you, yeah, all of you are ha- have are older partners, four right? Four years older than me. Yeah, he's he's almost five years older than me. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Steve, but yeah, you're gonna be bad. <laughs> <laughs> Calling you out, Steve. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. you, but but he so, still acts like he's 21 sometimes. So <laughs> <laughs> don't fail, don't fail. Um, Yeah, that's really interesting. I don't think I've really put that together that all of your partners are older and they kind of, it seems like felt more ready than all of you at the time, which again is so against like the narrative that we usually hear. So I think that's very interesting. Sarah, you mentioned your like creative life of like, can I even be a parent and have this other aspect of me? What has that, and and I want to ask all of you this because all of you are really very creative people, super talented artists, writers, all of that. How has that affected your creative life now that, you know, your son is actually here? Um, I think one, it's just really helps that my husband, he's a creative too. So I think this understanding, like we both respect each other and like, I want to respect your time, you respect mine and just finding a the thing that makes sense. And luckily for us, I think we organically found it. We're still figuring it out. Um, but you know, my husband, who's also a writer, he's finding time where he writes in the morning or whenever he can. I, cause I'll take Augie for a walks cause I love walking during the day. So that maybe that's the time that he'll write. 
Um, I'm like a night writer. I like to write at night. So I'll write like from 10 p.m. to midnight when he's down and sleeping. So I think we organically found it, like figured it out. Um, but it's like it's ongoing process because we as soon as we think we found a routine that works for us, Augie's <laughs> growing, right? Like he's growing, he's yeah. going through a milestone and we're like, okay, well, this didn't work. This is not going to work now. Like it's kind of like we're figuring it out as we go. So yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's hard work, but it's fun. <laughs> I yeah. have one question for you, Sarah. You're, mm-hmm. You stay up till midnight. My butt's in bed at like nine. I'm like what time does your kid wake up I mean it's hard though I'm like sleeping I'm like dozing off on my keyboard but it's like the only time where I feel like I'm not thinking about the day planning anything else it's like everything is done it's quiet and then that's like yeah but yeah I'm 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 falling asleep though (laughs) wow that's good for you man I I can't (laughs) those days are done it's so interesting because Sarah, we, we got to uh, catch up recently. And I think you mentioned like, you might even feel like you're writing more now that you have a baby than when you did it, because maybe you're taking advantage of mm-hmm. the time when you do have that alone yeah. time. So that's just an interesting thing yeah, that, you know, precious. yeah, you, you like, oh, you actually have maybe more of a fire under your ass to actually write. And maybe before you had a kid, you felt like, oh, you have plenty of time. Mm-hmm. is how how does that feel is that do you does that resonate with you like you're actually maybe feeling more creative or you're working on your stuff more because you know that it's it's not a guarantee that you have yeah. the time <laughs> yeah exactly no and you're that's absolutely right because i now i think time differently now that i'm like okay like every minute is precious when he's yes. down for a nap and if it's like even snapping for 20 minutes like that's 20 minutes of me brushing my hair <laughs> like eating and just like you know taking care of myself for 20 minutes you know and so yeah time has become so precious um just having that two hours almost every night to try to write I've written since Augie was born like two plays and that would have taken and I was writing like one play over like a year and a half and now I've written two plays like there's something about this urgency that I think came into play when he was born so I'm like just trying to get done now. That is fascinating. So Michelle, Shar, you're both incredible artists, paint, sketch, all this stuff. Does what, how, how has that been for you? Are you still painting and sketching? Is it, does it feel on hold? Like what's going on now that you have babies? Michelle, um, we can start with you. Okay. Uh, well, huh. <laughs> I tried <laughs> uh, when he was younger, I think three months old. I got my easel out. I got my bucket of paint and the tarp. And I was like, okay, I can paint, what, 30 minutes? And before I had to wheel it all back or I, I couldn't do it. I I tried. Um, but he's just, there. there's no time because at that age, um, he's on and off all day. And there's just not like a string of hours where I can just get something done or knock a chunk out. So I, I gave up on painting for now. Um, and then November came, he was older, uh, napping longer, maybe like an hour, uh, maybe less. And I switched to drawing again. And I did, and I also watercolor, never really messed with that. So I got some inspiration um, to make stuff for his room because oh. it's you know easier drawings i guess you can say than you know the stuff i usually do 
so I can knock them out a lot faster. And I had fun doing that. And I haven't done anything since um, like November, did a couple things like in April. That's that's really it. And I'll probably make some new stuff down the road for um, our second boy. Um, just just not Yay. right now. <laughs> yes. Oh, but yeah, that's I, so interesting. Yeah. I, I love that. I love thank you for sharing that perspective of like, no, I had to kind of, I had to kind of adapt and switch gears, maybe used to do longer pieces, you know, but while he's this age, you're like, I need to do something shorter. I still want a creative outlet, but you have to kind of adapt. And so I really appreciate everybody's different, you know, perspectives on this. Shar, what about you? Um, I've had a very similar experience to Michelle, um, because I also paint and draw. I love to paint. Um, I used to paint with oils, but um, that went out the window when I got pregnant because it's uh, there's like toxic elements to oh. oils, so you can't you can't use them while you're pregnant. Oh, um, wow. So, um, I so I had to switch to acrylic then, um, and but since he's been born, I haven't been able to create at all. Um, but you know, things change. I think both Sarah and Michelle kind of mentioned it. It's like they go through new phases so quickly um, and you get into new routines so quickly. And um, once Dylan started sleeping through the night, um, it's been a game changer. And so he goes to bed at like 8 p.m. now. Um, I still don't have any time during the day to like do anything creative because if I get like an hour break, a two hour break, I'm like, okay, I got to do laundry. Um, I'm going to wash some bottles. I'm going to do this, do that. I'm just like, always have this like running list in my head that it's like, I put my art, you know, last, but, um, like Michelle said, it's like, uh, I've stopped painting. Um, but I was talking to my therapist about it actually. And she was like, you know what, maybe just do a portrait of Dylan, like do a drawing, you know, because it doesn't take that, that time where you have to like, painting is a lot of work. You're taking out all these materials and, and then at the end you have to like wash everything and then put it away. Like it's it's hours worth of time. So, um, but I'm okay with that because I know that it's temporary. Like yeah. the older he gets, yeah. the more I'll be able to do and the more meantime I will have. So, um, but that 8 p.m. bedtime, now I'm like, I don't, I just want to like chill. I just want to <laughs> Amen, man. <laughs> yeah. Watch some junk food TV and then go to bed. Like I don't I don't have the urge right now, which is yeah. which is fine. Like I'm I'm accepting that. So yeah. I'm in the same boat, man. No urge right now. That yeah. makes so much sense. I yeah. am I am so curious to know, and Michelle, we could start with you. What's like the maybe top or number one self-care practice or tip or tool that helped you the most during your pregnancy? And maybe even like what's something that really helps you now that you know your child is here? Girl, I <laughs> wish I knew about this thing the moment Bradley was born. Um, but have you guys heard of an app called Peanut? No. It's literally Tinder for moms. Only oh, really? Amazing. And oh my you can swipe, you have your little profile and you have the age of like the, the kids. Um, 
kind of like where they're located. So like, okay, um, because of this, Bradley has made a lot of friends around his age. And I have also become friends with these moms who are around my age um, or younger. And there's like meetups. Um, I'm part of a mom group on uh, Facebook, uh, Mama Social Las Vegas. They've been a huge help. Like, <laughs> I wish I would have known about this because I was very depressed my first few months where I had to be like medicated. Um, but yeah, Peanut, great tool. Um, I, I highly recommend that in any stage. There's people that are pregnant you know, wanting to make friends and people with kids that wanting to make friends. So all stages of pregnancy um, on there. That's been like the number one thing. Second, Steve um, gives me time away, even like 20 minute shower, man. Like just let that hot water run down. Like, oh God, I don't want to get out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, um, thank you for sharing that, yeah. that resource. That is so cool. And Michelle, yeah. if you don't mind, if you're, if you're comfortable sharing, you mentioned that you were depressed your first few months. Is there anything that, um, you know, you're willing to share about that experience, like how you knew Absolutely. that you were depressed, anything that you want to talk about? It got really scary. Um, and I I'm open cause I know there's other people that were in the same boat. Um, and there it's quite common. It's nothing to be ashamed of, but I think what really got it was, I, I think I love my husband, but I don't think he realized how much work was going to be involved with having a baby. And there wasn't as much help in those first few months. Cause we don't know what the hell we're doing. You know what I mean? And he's still working. I'm home. Um, so it took some time figuring out a groove. Um, and then, you know, the depression just started getting worse. I barely left the house because it was hot here in Vegas and can't really leave the house. And then I just remember being in the shower and there's like a razor blade. And I'm like, well, but um, Bradley is what uh, stopped that, like the thought of not being with him. But that's when I like when I had that thought, I um I was like, okay, Steve, I need help. And luckily he's a PA for mental health. So I was able to get um something prescribed. And three days later, oh my God, game changer. Wow. And it was a few months and I didn't need it after a few months. So wow. but I am prepared if that starts to happen again. But I don't think that will be the case because we are now a solid team and we're prepared to handle two kids. Um, there's more of a plan in action. So yeah, that's why I wish I knew about this mom group beforehand. Cause I could have been with people with, with kids, Bradley's age at the time and just all, all being together. Like that would have been a huge help. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that, Michelle. Seriously, like, thank you for that vulnerability. And I'm so glad that you had the awareness, like you had that moment and then you had the awareness to like share that you needed help and you got that. Was it like um, being diagnosed with postpartum depression? Is, oh, yeah. is that That's basically what was going on. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, and how, how are you feeling now? Now? Oh, I feel great. Later. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm tired like all the time, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I, I feel fine. And I, 
haven't needed any of that stuff, you know, even being pregnant now, like I feel fine. Yeah. So I think it's going to be different this time. Yeah. And I don't think we talked about it yet on the recording, but how pregnant are you right now? (laughs) Um, I will soon have an onion. (laughs) Um, On Wednesday, I'll be 17 weeks. Wow. So we're almost to the halfway point. Thank God. Yeah. (laughs) Please let it be done. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Shar, what about you? Is there like a certain tool or tip or something that you wish you would have known during your pregnancy and even like after pregnancy? Um, I don't know. I, I feel that, um, reaching out to other moms is super important. Like what Michelle was talking about. And for me, I, um, you know, we live in LA and uh, a lot of people are waiting to have kids, especially in Los Angeles. Um, And I'm surrounded by a lot of artists and creatives and people who maybe don't even want to have kids. So, you know, one lives in Sacramento and Michelle, you know, lives near Vegas. So I, I have no one close to me to like you know, share these experiences with. And um, I was reading a book um, that my friend recommended to me. It's called Like a Mother, A Feminist Journey Through the Science and Culture of Pregnancy um, by Angela Garbs, I think it is. Apologize if I pronounce that wrong. Um, But this book is amazing. One of my mom friends who lives in Sacramento um, recommended it to me and it just helps like it really emphasizes reaching out to other moms because there's so much contradicting information out there about pregnancy about um having a newborn like so I mean even within like your doctor like seeing a doctor and then for some reason you have to see a different doctor on your next appointment, maybe your, your regular doctor wasn't available and you get all these contradicting things, advice and information. And, um, this book, this book is many things. Um, but part of it is that she talks about the importance of just talking to other moms who have been through it. And Michelle honestly was a huge help to me because I could (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I could message her at any time and I, I would always get an honest answer. Yeah. Um, she doesn't hold back. And, you know, I needed that. I needed someone to like, not tell me it's all going to be, you know, sunshine and rainbows. And she really gave me all the honest answers. And that from being pregnant to, you know, the first week and breastfeeding and starting solids, like just having someone to talk to. Mm-hmm. um was probably the biggest like self-help thing I could do yeah. getting me teary-eyed friend <laughs> like, text me at midnight so you do what you need to do <laughs> I know and you and I've done that and it you know it's just been the biggest the biggest help and like even asking like your own mom you know how did how did you do this how did you do that and because it, I find it, it's been way more helpful than Googling something and you get yeah. all freaked out from, you know, the different, like, what, what source do I trust? And, you know, right. you have to remember that, you know, your mom has done it before, your grandma has done it before. Like, right. and that's, that's been the biggest help for me is just reaching out to other moms. Oh, it's so, so good. Um, 
Yeah, it makes sense that the community is really important. And talking to somebody who's actually been through it, through it and not just like Googling some stuff or looking it up on Reddit mm-hmm. or whatever, personalizing yeah. it for yourself. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Shar, how was your transition? Like, you know, Michelle kind of talked about those first few months were were really tough. What was your uh, transition like after bringing your baby home? It was, it was really tough. And, um, I, I was afraid of having postpartum depression because my mom had it. Um, and for her generation, she was saying that no one talked about it back then. So I'm like thankful that women are open and talk about it now. Um, but I have a history of anxiety and depression. Um, so I was like terrified that I would have postpartum depression, but Um, Part of it might have been that um, I was already on medication. So um, I have been on sertraline for like eight years. And so that's the like generic brand of Zoloft. And um, my doctor was like, yeah, actually, that's that's the medication that we recommend for pregnant women or for women who have postpartum depression. So they're like, you're safe to stay on it. And I was just like, thank God, because um, you know, I don't, I don't know, maybe I would have had postpartum if I weren't on it. Um, but the first, the first month was really hard, really, really hard. And it's just adapting to so many new things so quickly. And then like Michelle said, you're taking on as a, as a woman, you're taking on so much. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, my partner as well, like didn't realize how much help I needed. And, and I realized like I hadn't communicated that to him. So like the first week was really difficult. And then I was like, you know what, I can ask for help. Like I need to open up and tell my partner, like, Hey, can you help wash this? You know, like washing, uh, washing bottles takes a lot of time. Like, cause we started, I started pumping pretty early on um, washing bottles, sanitizing them. Um, you know, just, can you help me? He started helping with, um, feeding in the middle of the night because your life is in like two hour intervals at first, like with newborns, it's just like, you're constantly feeding them and it never ends. It's just 24 seven. So I had to like, be able to open up to my partner and be like, Hey, I I really need help with this. Like, this is so much. And he was like, Oh, you know, I'm on board. Like, let me know what I can do. And if I hadn't done that, you know, I would have just kept feeling overwhelmed. So I think communication was, was key. Um, Mm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, Sarah, what about you? What's a, is there something that you like a tool that you wish you would have known piece of advice, anything that really helped you during pregnancy or after with the transition? Um, yeah, during 
pregnancy, well, going into it, I can't, I, I was never diagnosed as having anxiety or anything, but I know I have an anxious mind. And so going into it, I was worried. I was like, I'm going to be overthinking a lot of things. I'm going to, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, so, but I knew what, what, if I do have an anxious mind, like what I like to do a lot was walking. I would walk a lot. Um, and try to exercise. Like, I feel like exercise and walking was like the thing that helps me ease my anxious mind. So that's when I knew during pregnancy, I was like, I know this works for me. So I need to try to keep it up, even though it's going to be so hard. Like that's yeah. so I, so I made sure to schedule in like long walks and, and working out and stuff. So that helped me, I think, um, ease the, the pregnancy, but the third trimester was just so hard for me. Like I just, my body was just like, I was getting leg, leg cramps in the middle of the night, almost every night. It was hurting a lot. Ooh. Like I just, it, the third trimester was brutal. And I was like, just going through a lot emotionally because of just what it was, how it was affecting my body. Like I was just so frustrated with my body and like, why is this, why does it feel like my body's attacking me for no reason? Like, it's just kind of like, uh -huh. it's hurting all the time. So third trimester was tough. Um, and yeah, at that point I was just ready for the big model. Like, please come out. <laughs> um, uh, first month, definitely. I can't not like under like overestimate how hard it, it was so hard the first month like the like that's for sure I was not writing at all first month was when my body was like giving to the baby it was all for the baby breastfeeding feeding changing diaper you know every two hours was like something every hour we're like doing something for the baby and it was rough um and so during that time, like, honestly, I don't even know. I was just like, Nick and I were just trying to figure it out. Like we were just like day to day, we're taking it day by day. Um, and under trying to understand like why, why this was all happening. Like, why isn't this, why some things are working, why some things aren't working. Um, and just trying to figure it out and asking people. Um, I luckily had a sister who had two kids performing so she was my go-to person like okay like he's doing this like what does this mean if if you know he's making this sound or like what you know what should I expect here so my sister was that person I went to um to ask all the baby questions that month and yeah yeah and I had a really nice support system like people were giving us food and like making sure that we're taken care of and so it was really nice to have people um helping us so that was great yeah you all mentioned like that first month was really challenging that transition. What does that feel like when I'm sure logically, you know, it's temporary, but you're so in it and probably very sleep deprived. I imagine what kind of thoughts are going on in your head of like, oh my gosh, is this, is, is, is there anything like spiraling of like, is this how it's going to be forever? Like what's going on inside your mind? Can I, can I, answer yes, yes, please. Okay. So there is, so now that, um, now that I'm a mom and I'm like going, um, you know, buying products online, um, for baby, like I get all this Instagrams, like just so much Instagram, like ads about baby. Anyway, something came up and it, and I can totally relate to it. Um, it was like a meme or something. And it said, um, like, birth giving birth and then like going home with baby is like surviving a car crash 
And then having to take care of someone else who just survived a car crash. Oh my God. Oh, that's that such a great. great. <gasps> yeah, really. Yeah. The most relatable thing yeah. I've seen because wow. your body goes through so much to give birth. And like two days after I was like, my entire body was sore. Like it felt like if I've been in a severe car crash before, it, it literally felt like that. It felt like everything was sore. You're bleeding like crazy. You're wearing diapers. There's all these fluids coming out. And then you have to have enough, you have to like muster up enough energy to get up and take care of this little thing that's getting used to the world. It's like, it's like nothing. I, I can't even like compare it to anything else. Like it's unlike anything I've ever you know, been through it's, and and there is a point where you're like, oh my God, is it, is it going to be like this forever? Like, <laughs> but it gets better. It gets better. Mm-hmm. Wow. I had uh, one friend, she has two kids. Um, and I was talking to her in the very beginning because they're, they're older kids. And she always said, it gets easier. I promise you it gets easier each month. And you know what? It did. And so when I had, you know, Charlene and, you know, other friends that were pretty much right behind her um, in their pregnancy asking me questions, um, I was like, it gets easier. <laughs> it, it, like, it, it's a fact. Um, you know, they start understanding things and there's a sleep schedule. Um, like, it, it just gets easier um as time goes on and i was telling charlene just wait until they can feed them damn selves <laughs> i really i tell her, i think i i cried a little bit <laughs> when he yeah. can hold his, his cup and drink and feed himself yeah. without dying i'm like I i can mop you know yeah. So, but yeah, that first month you're just like, this is the longest month ever. What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? <laughs> so I, like I get robot. it. You're just like so robotic. It's like you change the diaper, you feed, and you put them down to sleep, and it's just like over and over and over and over again. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's exhausting. And yeah, yeah, it does feel like it will never end in the moment, but it, it does. It gets, it gets better with each week and each month things get a little easier. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Until gosh. they're walking and running. And now I have a wild animal running <laughs> on my head who never stands still. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that is a lot of work, I will say. But it is great not having to carry them everywhere. He can climb up the stairs to go upstairs. And so there, there's pros and cons. But yeah. it, it still it still is much easier because he can do a lot for himself. Yeah. I okay. So did anything happen during your pregnancy or during childbirth or even afterward that was completely unexpected for anybody that maybe you weren't told it could happen and it did, whether it was like changes with your body or um, you know, like things that you had to do during childbirth, you didn't you didn't think you would have to do anything that anybody is willing to share on that. Um, you know, whoever wants to jump in or we can go in a circle. 
Did anyone tell anyone about the uterus massage? <laughs> what is this? Massage, what? Bro. What is the that? uterus massage. That, I don't know if I can say shit, but that's Yes, shit. you can swear. Um, yes. I thought I was dying. Um, Wait, are you talking what? about after, after you give birth? Yes. Okay. Where they press they press on your uterus to get make sure you're not bleeding out or something oh, like that yeah. oh, and oh geez my yeah. dirty oh. coming off the epidural where i was like shaking and like please help me but they're helping the baby they're not gonna help me <laughs> you know what i mean i'm second now oh, and gosh. um they they pushed on it and i was screaming and like as loud as you can i so I thought I was getting murdered. Like, that's what it sounded like. Um, and they kept doing it. They would not stop. <laughs> it was like every 30 minutes. And after like the third time, I was like, I need a bite into a rag. So oh. they gave me like a rag and because I was so loud. <laughs> um, oh, my god! So gosh. no one told me about that. And it's and called a uterus massage? Are you fucking kidding me? That's what they call it. It ain't a freaking massage, man. <laughs> yeah. I tell you, it is not enjoyable. And then after maybe like the fifth time, I barely felt anything. Um, but I get why they have to do it. You know, they don't want you to die. So, oh man. And coming off the epidural is its own pain. You know, now you feel everything. And it's just a nightmare. I'm like, can we stick that back in? Like, oh my God. they do this oh my and God. they didn't do well so they didn't do the uterus massage over and over it was like once after the after they the doctor guided the placenta out I don't know how else to say it yeah um and then yeah then there was the uterus massage and then it felt like the doctor was scraping my insides out, oh. out of me like literally oh you know, inside oh. And oh like out all these fluids and everything, and I could feel it. And I had the epidural, but I could still like it wasn't painful, but I could feel his hand inside me and like scraping out all these fluids and all these. I mean, and like Michelle said, is they do it so you don't die, so there's not these like complications. Um, but that was bizarre. I, like oh it was just felt God. so weird. I definitely didn't get scraped. <laughs> I got scraped. I got, I felt like I was like a pumpkin, and oh god, oh, oh god, like, yes, oh, get all the goop out. Oh my that's god, a, that's a great. That's what I felt like. It was so weird. Somebody sporked you with the one of those little pumpkin carving right, kits. Right. Now oh, this this is what confuses me because you both had a vaginal birth, right? Is that what it's called? Yeah. But somebody got massaged way more and then somebody got scraped, but it was like different experiences. That is very confusing to me because you would think it would be maybe the same kind, a similar protocol for everybody. Um, Sarah, did any of that resonate with you? Did you have a similar experience to that or any, any differences? Um, to be honest, I don't really remember because I was near passing out. Like oh I don't remember what they were doing to me because yeah. um I my labor was just so long. Like uh I was like pushing for like four hours straight wow. because because of um here's the thing I like you see the ultrasound you're like oh everything looks good and great but I think when I nobody even the doctor was like the OB was like oh this is interesting you know when she saw mm -hmm. the baby coming out and crowning was my you know so. The reason why it took so long because my baby had his fist up his head like this 
and so I'm pushing out my the head and the two hands so it's like basically like two little heads coming out so um like I didn't know that <laughs> like because I think I you imagine like oh this is what it could be like it's just a head out and then everything is easy because everyone keeps telling you that but the whole process of just the pushing itself was just like a huge challenge for me because I wasn't sure like I just don't know and and I was so I was just really close to passing out like I think by hour of the fourth hour there was a whole team of doctors coming in ready to because do a c-section because it was like if it's not he's not coming out then it's high risk for both me and the baby and so I've oh gosh yeah I was just like pushing all of my might and this nurse was like who's British she was like Sarah if you must push now I don't know I can't do a British accent but she was like <laughs> it all suddenly became like downtown Abbey and I was like what the hell is oh my this? God. But um, yeah, it was just like very intense. And then, so that's all I remember was just like feeling the labor. I know that all the doctors were doing all this stuff to me afterward, but because the labor was so long and intense that I just, everything after that, I was just like, I was, I blacked out. I don't blame you. That is a long time for pushing. (laughs) Wow. Shara, Michelle, like what was your labor? How long were you in labor? How long were you pushing? What was that like? Shara, you want to go first? Sure. Um, I was in labor for, I don't know, maybe like 25 hours. Um, And then I pushed for one hour. But for me, what Sarah said is um, I almost had a C-section as well because um, so Dylan, so every time they put me on my back to start pushing, um, Dylan's heart rate went down. And so they were like, oh, if this keeps happening, you know, we're going to have to do a C-section. So we had like this really serious conversation about it. And then you have to like sign off on it. You have, you actually have to like sign paperwork that says it's okay to have a C-section. So we went through all that. And I think the reason why it only took me an hour is because um, after we signed this paperwork, like, okay, I'm okay with the C-section. They were like, okay, let's try one more time. Let's, let's just see. And so I got on my back and I pushed and he was fine, you know, after like the fourth time of trying, his heart rate wasn't going down anymore. So, um, so then at that point I was like, I really don't want to have a C-section. So I was just pushing like crazy. And they, even afterwards, every, the nurses, the doctors, they were like, oh my gosh, like you're a good pusher. And I was like, (laughs) I just wanted him out and safe and make sure that I didn't have a C-section. And so that's how that went. Yeah. Yeah. Michelle, what about you? Well, my story's weird. Um, we were in the middle of moving into our house and I'm big, it's hot. Um, it's going to get a little gross, but it's facts. We're all trying yeah. to just share crap. So the real stuff, I, yeah. packed, <laughs> I packed that whole apartment up by myself. Um, and like I said, it was hot and I was sweaty in all areas, yeah. you know, down there. Um, You're Downton Abbey. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, we're finally in the house. I unpacked pretty much everything as well. So this was like the course of three days. Um, and then that third or fourth evening, we're standing in the backyard and I just 
peed myself yeah. for like two seconds, two seconds. And keep in mind, my other mom friend said, when your water breaks, it's gonna flow continuously. It's not gonna stop. Well, my case, it was two seconds. And I was like, huh, that's weird. Went to bed. <laughs> oh, <gasps> yep. Whoa. Went to bed. Um, and then it was like noon the next day. I call uh my longest friend, Janine. And she's, uh, I told her this and she's just, Michelle, you need to go to the hospital. I'm like, what? Why? She's like, it sounds like your water broke. You should get that checked. Like she was so concerned. Oh my God. Um, I was like, all right. And I take a shower. I brush my teeth. You know, I take my time with it. I bring my bag and I forgot my charger. So that sucked. Um, and I get to the hospital and then they check and it's like, oh, your water's broken probably for a few days. What? <laughs> oh my oh, gosh. No. I didn't know that was even possible. I didn't yeah. So what, what they determined is that it broke up top and there was a slow leak and they had to like run all these tests afterwards to make sure he was like okay like if i waited any longer i don't know what would have happened um yeah but my my um water broke before i forget how it goes like before i went into labor or something like that and that's actually rare. Like it's less common, even though you see it in the movies, like the water breaks and then you're in labor. They said it usually happens the other way around. Yeah. Um, but my water broke early and then they say you have eight hours. Now I'm forgetting everything. That's another thing is you just like, all of it just becomes a blur. <laughs> sure. um, but I, there was like eight hours between when my water broke and I forget when they wanted to start me pushing or something. I can't remember. But back to your point, Michelle, is like there's risk of infection because yeah. it's open down there. So yep. you're supposed to not wait like that long. I know. I know. <laughs> and I, I didn't know. Hospital, and they were like, <laughs> okay, we have to like, yeah, they had to monitor me because my water broke early. Yeah. Oh, God. Wow. I did not, I've never heard that. I, I didn't know that was the thing. I, I assumed like, yeah, if your water breaks, you very clearly know it's not like just a little dribble or a little pee coming out. That yeah. blows my mind. Was there anything else like that in your pregnancy experiences, birthing experiences, transition afterward, where maybe something happened that you didn't know could happen. And then you were told like, oh, this is like pretty common or pretty normal. And maybe you wish you would have been told that you know beforehand anything like that well I will say I am bringing depends I don't care what anyone says yeah <laughs> because I just remember last time I just stood up and it was Niagara Falls just uncontrollable like heavy king <laughs> in my slipper down my leg like it was just awful everywhere and my uh mother-in-law was there in the hospital I'm like darling help help, help. like I'm just like waddling through the back like I didn't know what to do like she can't help me 
but um um i am prepared for that so i i'm gonna bring depends i don't care what anyone says um you get your depends girl you do i know (laughs) i'm gonna be better prepared this time around (laughs) yeah based off of based off of that is there anything that you would bring to the hospital with you this time around or you would have during a pregnancy or in your transition like what would you bring that you wish you like now that now that you know so oh my god well it it does cost a a little bit of money um but we were gifted it's like a sleep sock so the baby wears like a foot thing and it monitors their like their heartbeat you know if their heartbeat's raising or lowering it like sets off an alarm i am bringing that for the newborn um for our next our our baby boy that's coming up uh because i want to sleep <laughs> i just remember at uh when bradley was awake i didn't have any of that i'm just like staring at him <laughs> right you know like, breathing breathing, breathing. Yeah. so i like barely slept you know and still like feeding him in the hospital so we're gonna put that sucker on this time around um that's gonna be my stress-free uh strategy for the hospital stay and depends of course yeah it's very important. <laughs> i didn't even know they made something like that that's really cool uh Shara, yeah. Sarah, is there any like anything that you would bring with you this time around or would definitely have or own or anything like that you know the the doctors tell you like oh have a birth plan get that already you know things like that no one followed my birth plan <laughs> they were just like, i like had it all like they keep asking me to like submit your birth so the thing is i was like i don't know like i thought i did like brought what i ever everything i needed um i think depends is a really good idea having that because i was just non-stop flowing um uh i think i don't know i i I think I brought what I needed, but I think I also overpacked. So, <laughs> yeah, um, buddy, same thing. Everyone, friends, family, doctor, what's your birth plan? And I didn't have one. I was just like, am I, do I need a plan? Like the doctors yeah. know what they're doing. Like what, yeah. what do I need to plan? And then like, I reached out again, Michelle was a big help. Um, and she told me, bring the adult diapers. And that is honestly, that that's the only thing I recommend (laughs) because they provide some for you, but they're really crappy. So just having like your (laughs) own, you can slide on because yeah, it's just like all these fluids just coming out of you all the time. Yeah. Yeah. After you give birth, not before. (laughs) Well, it's so yeah. interesting. It's interesting that they tell you to like have a plan, but everything everybody's describing is some stuff that like stuff that you can't plan for They're no. and, and everybody's so different and all of that. Um, one of you mentioned earlier, just like you were, uh, things that were happening to your body. I think it was you, Sarah, you were things that were happening to your body where you're like, Oh, my body feels like it's against me or something, uh, during your pregnancy. <laughs> Is there, um, were there any changes in your body that you wish you had been like prepared for, or has the way that your body changed affected any like body image, you know, things that you have going on, anything like that with like having, having a body now that has been pregnant and birthed a baby. What is that experience like? Let's see. I mean, I definitely still have the scars, the, um, stretch marks. I have that. And so it's like, definitely it's like, every time I look at myself, I'm like, yep, I'm reminded of that I just gave birth. So it's, yeah. I still have my stretch marks. Um, I think when it comes to body, like I, this might be going back to what I wish I've known is like that every, like 
I didn't know. So after six weeks, um, you know, you get your checkup and you're like, okay, you're cleared. You're good. Right. And that's kind of the end of female care at that point. It's like, okay, you're done. Um, week seven, I was going through, my body was going through something and it was, um, I was getting all these like random attacks all over my body. And I found out that I had gallstones. And so I went to the emergency room. So I guess it's, it doesn't happen for every woman, but it could happen because of the rapid weight gain and loss that, um, you could have gallstones. So that's what ended up happening was I got gallstones and I had pancreatitis and it was this whole ordeal that I was in the emergency room for a week. And so it was, and I had two emergency surgeries during that week. Um, and it was, it was really rough, especially because I was breastfeeding and like, that was a whole week that I couldn't breastfeed because I was on a lot of pain meds. I was on morphine and X, Y, Z, like all this stuff. And so that was really rough. And so I think that's one thing that I wish I would known is just kind of like, uh, is that, you know, don't expect that your body will go through something just like everyone else. You know, everyone has their own experience and your body might just go through a whole other journey of experience that, that you not would have known. So yeah, yeah, that's like a whole thing that I just did not happen. And like that could happen. And it was after it happened that we're like, oh yeah, you have gallstone. That's pretty common after pregnancy. And I was like, my OB didn't tell me. Nobody told me that this could happen. No one told me either. Shoot. Wow. <laughs> I heard about that. Yeah. yeah, it's like, but apparently it's common because then they get a lot of women who just recently got gave birth and they're like in the emergency room because they were having gallstone. So that could happen. Wow. Good wow. to know. <laughs> no wow. but, yeah but now i don't have a gallbladder so i can't have gallstone attacks so you know so I'm, next time there's no chance for you to have gallstones right oh my yeah gosh. yeah exactly wow well oh, like, man like you said that was like six seven seven weeks after you gave birth i yeah. and the fact that there's maybe only one follow-up for you know the person who gave birth seems like there should be more more care oh. after that um yeah how, so how did you feel about the kind of aftercare for, you know, all of you, once you gave birth, do you feel like it was adequate? Do you feel like you needed more stuff? Um, and then, and of course, anything that you wanted to share about like how your, how your body changed and everything like that. Michelle, um, you- my, my aftercare was minimal, like just a regular OB check. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like nothing different. And, um, my body changed a lot, uh, gained a good amount of weight, um, you know, s- dropped some, but not all of it. Uh, and stretch marks still there, you know, there's nothing I can do. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm a little thicker and a little wiser. That's all I can really <laughs> <do>. <laughs> That's, That's great. great. You're putting it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Shar, what about you? Anything that, yeah. Anything that you want to share, Shar, about, you know, your body or the aftercare experience, you know, anything like that? Yeah. Um, I think there's like two major things that I could take away from the experience. Um, one is that I actually felt really beautiful when I was pregnant. Mm. And it's like the only time I don't know if you guys can relate to this, but it was the only time in my life as a woman that I felt celebrated for gaining weight and I Mm. felt beautiful being big. Um, and that was so empowering to me and it just, 
I felt good about my body. I felt really good that my body was like creating life inside of it. And it was okay that I could eat whatever I wanted. And, um, you know, it was actually good. I actually didn't gain a lot of uh, weight in my pregnancy, which is weird because I felt huge. Um, but my doctor had to like, ask me like, are you eating enough? You know, cause I was really sick my first trimester. And I think what happened is I lost a lot of weight my first trimester because I was so sick. Um, and then like, and then I was slow to gain it, like in the last two. Um, so it was like, eat more, you know, do you keep, keep gaining that weight? And it was just like, this is great. You know, no, no one mm. ever told me eat more. So, um, so there was that. And then, um, after, after birth, the biggest, the biggest thing for me was that like my body has been nourishing and existing for this baby, you know, since conception. And, um, I recently stopped breastfeeding or like stopped giving breast milk through like pumping as well. And I feel really emotional and really guilty about it because I felt like I, like, I should continue with this. Like I should be providing this for my baby because I'm the only one who can. Um, but then at the same time, I had to remind myself, like my body, like I've given up so much of my body for my son already. And it's okay. Like I need to give myself permission to say I'm done. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm ready for my body to be back to normal. Like I'm ready for my breasts to be back to normal. And, you know, that was really, really emotional for me. Um, cause there was like these two different sides going on. Like I want myself back, but I also feel really guilty and emotional about you know, stopping, like about not giving this to my son anymore. So uh Wow. Um, I, I definitely have so many questions just based off what you said, Char. Mm -hmm. I, I'm really excited to get into all like your favorite thing, everybody's favorite things about pregnancy and the birth and like being a parent. But before we do, because Char, you touched on kind of like, I guess they call it mom guilt or whatever that that might be. Sarah, Michelle, do you feel, um, did any kind of feelings of guilt happen for you when it comes to either the breastfeeding stuff and the formula or, you know, wanting some of part of your time back or anything like that, that you would want to share, Sarah, if you have anything to, to add to that. Um, in terms of guilt, I think, I think it, again, back to the, the third trimester, I feel like the third trimester was really rough for me emotionally because it was, I, the guilt I felt there that time was, um, like, now I'm trying to like, now I'm trying to remember what those feelings are, <laughs> but it, it was like this, like I was kind of in an exist, existential crisis of like, oh my gosh, if I have this baby, then, uh, I have to give up X, Y, Z. I have to give up, uh, doing you know my nights. I have to give up this. I have to give this. And then I bet that I start to feel guilty. Like, oh my gosh, doesn't that sound really selfish that I'm, you know, I'm about to take care of a life and I'm like, I'm only thinking about me. So there was a constant battle that mentality of like what I'm giving up and, and by saying that I'm so selfish like you know so that that was the kind of my inner turmoil that I had in my third trimester but then yeah and then when the baby arrived and um I, I echo everything what Shar said like I told that totally resonates because 
yeah, my, my body was like, went through a ringer. Like it went through a lot and to have that grace and like, to be say, you know what, like maybe I you know, me today. It's like, I'm struggling with breastfeeding and that's okay because you know, um, but he's being fed. We have alternatives. We have formula, you know, all this stuff we're, we're working at, we're, we're doing the thing that makes the most sense today for this baby. And so just taking that day by day, but yeah, that guilt, I think in the third trimester, it really was like third trimester for me was just physically, emotionally, the toughest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Michelle, yeah. any, did you experience like this mom guilt situation with anything? Yeah, I definitely had that. I'm like, I can't drink right now. I can't stay up late because I just physically can't. I have really bad sciatic leg pain. Uh, I think you remember that. I was telling you about that. Um, but nothing helped. It hurt to sleep. Um, I was pissed. Like, you know, but I was, you know, thankful to have my son. But I was pissed <laughs> for having to go through the worst sleeping I guess I'm like been sleep deprived for second trimester on and then going on to you know night feedings and whatnot I was just I was so like upset I'm sure that was part of you know the depression um and um that's that's really kind of like my guilt um I don't really, I mean, I, I miss like getting my nails done. Um, painting is, you know, one and just being able to, you know, I'm going to go do this and I can't, <laughs> you know, cause who's going to watch the baby. Cause I want, I would love to go with my husband, but um, it's hard to, you know, get a babysitter and you only want someone you trust and you have to make sure they're available. And um, I guess there's some guilt with that. But other than that, that's, that's really it. Um, uh, I didn't, unfortunately, uh, breastfeed. Um, I tried. So I felt really bad about that. And the nurses, I don't know what it is in the nurse world, <laughs> but they get on you. And wow. some family as well did. I'm like, bro, it ain't coming. Like, stop. <laughs> asking yeah. me <laughs> like yeah. um but he's been on formula you know for 12 months and he's fine so there's no, no shame in that and i think that's kind of like when my guilt went away like he's fine yeah he's right. like look at him like he's he's doing very well <laughs> yeah so the guilt kind of went away after that you know yeah. Yeah. yeah and full disclosure like i've um, what I did was I did a combination of breastfeeding formula and pumping since like, since he hit like one month old. Um, and, a, and something that really encouraged me to like be, you know, okay with formula was like talking to Michelle and her experience. And also my doctor, my doctor like said something similar. It was like, Hey, as long as the baby is like nourished and healthy and like, you know, you do what's right for you. And, but then you do talk to some nurses and doctors that are like, breastfeeding is the best thing ever and you have to do like it. And like, that was when I went through a breastfeeding, um, 
uh, what's it called? Training, I guess, before I gave birth, like this lady was all about breastfeeding. Like she didn't even want to give you other options. And, and I, and I didn't like that because it doesn't work for everyone. So that was, that was my greatest guilt was like, am I, I'm not going to be perfect at doing this. Um, but yeah. My uh, OB flat out told me, because I told her, I, well, I can't, I tried pumping and nothing, nothing's happening. And she's like, you know, breastfeeding, it, it's overrated. It's okay. Like, I don't think she meant any disrespect to people that are breastfeeding, but she just basically tried to, um, you know, relax me that formula, especially these days, 2022, 2023, like, it's probably so much better than let's say stuff 50 years ago or 30 years ago so it made me feel a little better about that yeah I will say that did you did you all feel like you were kind of primarily experiencing like these guilty feelings or did you feel like your partners were also feeling guilt around certain things with the baby or do you feel like that was you know mostly happening to you because you know you carried the baby and there was a lot of things going on hormonally and all of that. Um, Sarah, anything to, to share or add to that? Um, yeah, I think it was just me. <laughs> um, I, I was journaling from day one, as soon as I found out and like every day I was journaling. And so I, I was able to now look back and kind of see those moments of like, Oh my God, there's emotions, these emotions I was feeling and stuff like that. So it was interesting to look back and I really do think for me personally, it was just like the hormones was raging. Like it was full beast mode. Um, so, but yeah, I think like, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like as soon as I had the baby, like all these feelings just sort of disappeared. And because I guess my attention and focus was just became taking care of this human being. Um, but, you know, I still have, I, I look back in that time of the, the nine months and just think about um uh you know what I forgot what your question was <laughs> hey I think they call that mo- ha- hashtag mom brain, mom brain. Right? I was like <laughs> it never yeah, goes like, away like, now I'm rambling I'm just like what am I saying well no you actually answered it immediately okay. it was just like okay. do you feel like you primarily experience feelings of guilt and you said yeah it, so- it sounds like you right. More than your partner, if if you know, oh yeah 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 I think so right. yeah um, and my partner was just supporting me third during the whole process just like yeah he was just the person I was just vent- venting to so right right Shar yeah. what about you Lydia? yeah I mean same thing yeah. I and not that I mean I don't know I can't speak for Dan but yeah. um for my partner but yeah I think it's really unique for the mom to have that kind of guilt because you are the one providing just, you know, the way our bodies work, you are the one providing so much for the baby and you carry the baby. And I think there's a lot of expectations put on the mom Mm -hmm. to where you, you have guilt if you're not fulfilling those expectations, whether they be your own expectations or someone else's or society's. Um, it's, there's just like, yeah, there, it, I mean, even like when I would start, when I started drinking again, started drinking alcohol. Um, and I, even when I was like allowed, allowed to, you know, and you're like, oh, you can wait one hour um, per drink that you have before you breastfeed. 
um, I still in the beginning was like, you know, what? I'm just not going to drink because I'm just so worried about it. I'm so worried there's going to be like a little bit of alcohol and I feel so guilty and like, but it was like irrational because you can, you can have a drink and then wait an hour and breastfeed, but I would just feel so guilty about it that I just didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, there's all those things where it's like, yeah, my husband doesn't have to worry about that. Like, it's just, right. <laughs> right. You know, it's really unique in our experience as yeah. The mom. Yeah. I seriously, I so appreciate everybody's openness about like some of the unexpected things that can happen and even, you know, parts where maybe we're pretty scary, you know, at some point, because I think, and, and thank goodness people are more open about it now, but I think like pregnancy, childbirth, it's all been painted in a very like specific light for a long time where it's like the cover of a magazine. And it's like, this woman is glowing with a giant pregnant belly. And it's like miraculous. And of course it is so miraculous, but there's so much else that goes into it. So I just appreciate everybody being so open about their different experiences. Um, what is your, what was your favorite part about being pregnant, the birthing experience afterward, and just, you know, being a mom in general, Michelle, what's your favorite parts of all of it? Oh, geez. <laughs> um, <laughs> to write a book, man. Um, my favorite part of being pregnant. Well, even though I was huge, the baby shower was really nice. Like, <laughs> I mean, I had all my friends yeah. and family there, like just like, even though I was so uncomfortable, like so uncomfortable, just it, it, that made it so much better, you know, just seeing everyone so excited and the, the love that they had, you know, you know, gifts and whatnot for my son. Like it, it, it was great. And, um, when you are showing, you can wear, you know, some cute clothes. That was nice. But overall my, I, I, I didn't like my pregnancy because of that dang leg pain, man. <laughs> just Oof, a little, yeah, that's why the, the baby shower and like certain clothes like that, that was about it. That made it just better. Yeah. Um, giving birth. Well, <laughs> as you can know from the previous stories, it wasn't fantastic, but I will say epidural, man, that <laughs> you're thinking about it, get it. Cause it you don't feel a thing like nothing and it's like when the babies come in they say oh you're okay push and they always say okay don't push with your face push with your hips because you know you're like "Uh," you're not pushing here you're pushing down there so um yeah it's just that that whole experience was just interesting i not love or hate just weird um and I guess my favorite thing is just probably being a mom, you know, like overall, everything else. Like I can't see myself how I was before Bradley. It's like I have been rebirthed into (laughs) the new person and I am mom now. I'm mom. And hearing him say mom and giving me hugs, like it's just, I could cry, you know? Like that kid is genuinely loving me and giving me a hug. Like it's no fake shit. Like <laughs> that baby loves you. Yeah. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. how to, I don't know how to explain it. Like just, 
just him embracing me like is my favorite thing in the world so that it's only gonna get better because then he'll talk (laughs) (laughs) right right Shar, what about you favorite things from all of this experience yeah well I already talked about like my favorite thing being pregnant was just body positivity that I experienced um and uh I loved when I started showing because like there's actually a really long part of your pregnancy where you're not showing and people don't or they're like you're sort of showing and like People are like, don't want to ask because they don't want to be rude. Um, but then once you're really showing and people like know, like it's just even though the third trimester is like really, really uncomfortable and painful sometimes, it was fun just like people are really nice when you're pregnant and they know you're pregnant. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> true. Really nice to you uh, across the board. Um so there is that, um, now that I am a mom and, um, he's only five, five and a half months old, but just like witnessing all his firsts, like these little tiny moments of just like, when he first smiled was like one of the best things ever. When he first laughed, um, he's starting to grab things now and like put them in his mouth. And he's just like all his little movements and just witnessing all these like new things. He's starting to like babble now. He's just like, you know, all the sounds he's making is just like the cutest thing ever. And it just, my, my mother-in-law told me um, on my first mother's day recently, she said, it's the toughest job you'll ever love. Mm. Um, and what a good quote. About. I know <laughs> I was like, this is so simple and so true because it's tough. And like all the things that we've talked about today, it's like, man, it's like, why do we go through this? Like, why do we put ourselves <laughs> through this? Um, but somehow, somehow it's worth it. And uh, in my opinion, and he's just so damn cute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <It> really is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Sarah, what about you? Your favorite parts of pregnancy birth um, after yeah. yeah I think so two comes to mind and the one is um just during the whole pregnancy I did feel that like this transformative thing like it, it did feel like I was like I'm experiencing something that the opposite sex will never understand or something you know just kind of like it was just yeah. this kind of this really cool moment of like realizing that oh my body is capable of doing so many like this is wow this is powerful that my body could create life like this and I didn't know because all I thought it all it did was bleed once a month and that was it you know, <laughs> know that's kind of like that you know and then until the, the time ends but that's just it's kind of it was to, to have my perception of my body kind of changing was a really cool experience um second is um yeah so uh you know, when I'm like reading article or something and I go, I, I just start ranting at home and I'm just like, I can't believe so-and-so that I'll start ranting. And my son just started to like really get into loving it and like smiling at me. And then, and it's like, oh my gosh, I finally have an audience that likes, like that cares about what I say. <laughs> it's oh such a great gosh. feeling of like, he just loves me, like really getting into something like passionately and talking out loud and screaming at the top of my lungs. And he's just like looking at me and smiling and was like, loves it. And so that's been like kind of fun of just whatever I'm talking about. <laughs> just oh my gosh. Get into it. So cute. I love it. <laughs> you have an yeah. audience. That's incredible. 
Oh my Finally. God. Finally. I could seriously talk to all of you for hours. We might have to have like a part two and three and four of uh, this, this type of, um, you know, experience, but I want to let you guys go because it's been get back to your sons and all that stuff. So for the kind of, uh, to wrap it up, if somebody's tuning in right now and maybe they're, you know, considering having a baby or maybe they're pregnant or about to give birth and maybe they're nervous about something, is there anything that you would like to leave them with? Um, and anything else that you would like to share that we maybe did not cover today that you think is important. So Michelle, any kind of final thoughts or anything that you would like to to say? Yes, uh, I got a few. Um, if you're thinking about buying that new sports car, don't. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, just don't. Um, two, um, and this I actually got from a friend that I think I'm going to use on the next baby. Um, pre-cook all your meals, like from a crock pot, store in the freezer. You'll have food for a month. You don't have to worry about anything. Oh, um, and buy a crap ton of paper plates, fork, spoons, whatever. So you don't have to do dishes for oh. a month. I'm like, oh my God, that's genius. So good. <laughs> Here I am putting dishes in the dishwasher like a fool. <laughs> you know, I just throw this crap away. So I think I'm going to do that. Um, and then really make sure communication is key with your partner. Like, you're not going to have your old life. You're not just going to be able to go to the bar after work. No, you need to come home and help. <laughs> And don't get me wrong, there will be times where you can do that. But in those first few months, like you're still finding your groove. So communication, really support each other. Um, just just really be there for each other. That's that's really, it's probably the best medicine ever. Shara, mm. what about you? Any kind of final thoughts that you'd like to leave people with? Yeah, um, it's kind of similar to what Michelle just said is um, you really have to have like a solid, solid foundation with the person that you're going through this with um, and have com that communication. And it's, it's going to be really difficult um, the first few weeks, the first month. Um, but as long as you have that like solid, solid foundation, and I know some people are going to go through it alone. Um, but be willing to reach out to people. If, if it's a family member or a friend, like don't feel afraid to lean on someone. Um, what Michelle said about the food thing is, yeah, the first few weeks, there's no way in hell that you're able to cook. Um, you know, it, and the biggest thing that helped us was we had family members buy us like Uber, um, you know, Uber Eats or DoorDash or someone showed up with like a casserole or whatever, a little old school. But it was great because you can't, I mean, you, you, your body, again, surviving a car crash, like <laughs> you can't do much. And literally all you can do is be this robot to this, you know, taking care of this kid. And um, I guess my biggest takeaway is just don't be afraid to lean on people for help. Absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah, what about you? Final thoughts? Uh, um, yeah, I mean, everyone, everything everyone said is, yeah, amen. Um, so <laughs> I, I don't disagree anything. Like, yeah, lean on people, you know, find your support group and your support system, lean on your partner. Um, 
I guess it's just like, um, you know what? I think I, I didn't do this, but looking back, I should have done it. I'm just going to like shut up social media because I think it was so easy to compare and contrast like my pregnancy with other people's and like their birthing experience or thing, or like sometimes I'll just get, because Instagram hears you, like you're seeing posts of like other women who are just looking freaking gorgeous and fly and like they're just like oh just running through the field pregnant like (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like that's not me that's not me but I think it's just like having the ability just to kind of like um shut that out and just like that nine months just like really take care of yourself whatever you need to do like walks exercise eating right or sleeping or things like that, just taking care of your body and your mind, because yeah, it's nine months that you're, um, you want to be in the best shape possible, I guess, for making sure you have a healthy pregnancy. So it's all about you (laughs) those nine months taking care of yourself. Yeah. Don't be afraid to slow down. This is something I forgot is that like, I was go, 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 go. Cause I'm used to being like that with like my job and my life. And I, I had to like remind myself to slow down and that that was okay um just kind of bouncing off what Sarah just said yeah can't tell you how many times I forgot the diaper bag (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh that's a whole other thing like having a diaper bag yeah we have so much gear now just so much stuff oh my god we tried to eat out for the first time uh we went to BJ's and this is our first time bringing Bradley to a restaurant. He's so young still. And first thing I do, I, I forgot the freaking diaper bag. <laughs> Luckily, it was close and we just went and got it, you know. But um, yeah, it's like I, I had to slow down as well. I was not used to, you know, going at a slow pace. It's usually my husband that's the slow pace. <laughs> I'm like, let's go. We're going to be late. <laughs> So now it's like, oh, we're just always late, rarely on time. <laughs> so, oh, thank you all so much. Seriously, I really appreciate you opening up about what you did and sharing all that stuff. And thank you for letting me be the uh, crazy aunt to your children. I much appreciate that as well. <laughs> I love and, it. Uh, and I love you all so much. And yeah, I'll be chatting with all of you very soon. All right. <laughs> Sounds great, my friend. Hey. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to give another huge thank you to Michelle, Shar, and Sarah for sharing so candidly and, you know, giving us a snapshot of some of the most memorable things they've experienced so far. And although we covered so much ground today, we know there's so much more that we just did not have time to get into. So you might be wondering like what their work situation is like, or, you know, have they felt any kind of shifts in identity becoming moms? Um, relationship dynamics, if they've changed, I just, there's so much more. So if you would like this to be like a mom series of some kind where we have them back to, you know, share throughout different phases of uh, their lives and their children's lives, just let us know. And we can absolutely make that happen. I have just really enjoyed witnessing my friends become parents. It's really such a cool experience. And I'm very grateful to, um, you know, have them in my life and, and be part of their kids' lives as well. And yeah, that's it for today. Again, if you're interested in, um, adding my other podcasts to your queue, you can find that at delaneyfisher.com, um, you know, all about building an unconventional life and career. 
And so glad you tuned in today. We will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Self Helpless Podcast. You can find our Patreon community, merch, and our individual work at selfhelplesspodcast.com. We'd be thrilled if you shared this episode with a friend or feel free to post it on Instagram and tag at selfhelplesspodcast so we can repost you and say thank you. Yeah, yeah.